Welcome to the Cybersecurity Podcast. It's the Cybersecurity Podcast with a little extra BS. I'm Andrew Nuxel. And I'm Nathaniel Vick. And here today, we're going to talk about some security considerations in AI. And also, we're going to go over breaches. Andrew? We'll start with uh, CDW. So CDW uh, has apparently been breached and information collected by red actor, including particularly, it seems like, government-related contract information. So... That's a uh, that's really scary and relevant right now. Apparently, they the attackers initially requested an eighty million dollar ransom, which is among the highest I've ever heard of, uh, and subsequently uh, negotiations failed. So that data has apparently been published. So the second breach we're going to talk about is twenty three and Me. So this one not nearly as business critical. It probably is going to impact many more people from a personal perspective. And the list of impacted users hasn't been released yet. But in short, what 23andMe has disclosed is that through the use of passwords that were uh, divulged on the net from other breaches, previous breaches, a group of threat actors has logged in and been able to access accounts uh, in many cases, capture that data, and so on. So... I think the the big lesson from this one is going to be you have to use unique passwords and change your password frequently. And I'm I'm don't believe that I'm one that's impacted by the breach, but I did submit for 23andMe several years ago, and uh, they do offer two-factor authentication. So that's an important tool that that makes it much more difficult for someone to compromise a, an individual account. So. Uh, any type of account out there, even if you set it up five, 10 years ago, go back and turn on the two-factor authentication or delete the account if you don't need it anymore. I think that's one that a lot of people set up the account and then probably forget about it and then for sure change that password, but probably the best option is just to set up that two-factor authentication. Yeah. yeah. Most most companies that you deal with or any place that you have an account, it's it's almost become an exception to not have some sort of two-factor authentication available. Expect it to be hacked because lead into our topic of the podcast, AI. So we're going to be talking about AI and its security risks for organizations and some things that we can think about with regard to AI and how we can protect ourselves from some of the AI risks. So just to kind of start off the discussion, AI is a pretty big deal. In the last year, we've seen ChatGPT, OpenAI kind of flood the market. We've seen a lot of organizations have different mixed responses. Some organizations think that you should use it and others are a little bit more hesitant. What type of data vectors, Andrew, do you see? And like, it adds a lot more data out there when we talk about AI? What what are you seeing out there? I think the real data concerns are, where does that data end up? And ChatGPT, I think it was, has already you know, confirmed that they had uh, a data breach. Uh, some accounts were, were captured and, and some data was disclosed and, and so on. So like every organization, I think that it's safe to say it's inevitable that data gets disclosed uh, in some form or fashion doesn't mean there aren't 
provisions in place and security in place. But like we talked about in our first episode, there's always the human element. That's the weak link. That's where it's going to start. And so you have to be acutely aware of how important the data that you're putting in there is. So you know, I think that first and foremost, you want to be sure, are you putting anything sensitive? Are you putting privacy information, et cetera, into a tool like this? Uh, if so, you probably want to pause and, and think about that again and try to use it a, a little bit more uh, as, a, as a resource to uh, enhance tools and improve processes and do research as opposed to process privacy or, or confidential data. Because I think until we have better assurances as to how um, that data is protected, it just has an inherent risk to being disclosed or used in unexpected ways. Yeah, I think a couple of things come to mind too is, well, right now it's using somewhat public knowledge to generate some of these models like ChatGPT. As organizations start adopting this, use I know Azure has their own cognitive search that our organization has started exploring. You can actually train it to accept sensitive data. So now that we open another data vector for Azure or AWS or another tool, a AI tool, we're going to train it to try to figure out the data and try to help us as an organization. That inadvertently could create another vector of risk. Now you have this data exposed. And I think the other thing is uh, a data poisoning attack. It could accidentally or hackers could use the data to train it in such a way that now you have data that could create faulty models of data. And now we're relying on it as an organization to make decisions. So that's a pretty large vector risk that we have to be careful as organizations to make sure as we use AI that we're being careful, just like any other type of application and tool that the entire tool we're thinking about all the different inputs and outputs how they're protected and secured ai still is is imperfect and in some cases is drawing incorrect conclusions and while it's impressively um, intelligent about some things that can aggregate and determinations it can make and outputs it can produce uh, it still has what they call the occasional hallucination, which is you know, it takes data and and for whatever reason draws an incorrect conclusion or creates a new narrative that that uh, similar to what you're saying with the data poisoning, the output doesn't end up the same. So what happens if it does that with the data that that your organization has has submitted? It it could get ugly pretty quick. Definitely. And just making sure that users are aware of those risks is key. I think the other flip side is um, there are some valuable security tools that are out there that AI has. I know Microsoft is starting to use AI in some ways to detect anomalies with some of their security tools. Others like Sentinel One, McAfee, Fortinet, most of the high uh, players in the security space have their own version of AI or anomaly detection definitely can be a, a big tool that organizations that sometimes are 
understaffed just because there's a lot of security threats out there. AI can be used to take a look at these threats. We've got all these risks. We've got all these threats and data coming in. Terabytes of data for some organizations, even more for others. And it can be hard for us as humans to analyze this data and detect anomalies, detect what data we should focus on. So I think there's some really cool pieces of AI that have the potential to take off, but uh, it's still those security considerations that hackers could use those too to generate phishing emails, crafted attacks, crafted malware. We've seen that as well in some of the different AI tools. And that's a big danger as well. Yeah. Shortly after our last podcast, uh, we received a phishing email that I'm 100% was crafted by AI. And fortunately, there was conversation between our end users before any action was taken. But, I mean, it could have very easily turned into financial fraud. And the way that it was crafted, it was made to look like an email trail had been going on extensively between an executive and mm. and a vendor uh, and that the executive had approved for, you know, payment of around $50,000 to be sent to, to this group immediately. And uh, the main reason it stopped was because uh, on the finance side, the person said, just seems like there's too much of a sense of urgency for something like this. Mm. And said it had been dragging on for several months and, and it wasn't something that was going to impact you know, production should the bill not be paid and thank goodness they asked you know, hey does this seem right to you and and we looked and we're like, yeah, you can tell yeah this is this is a well crafted but it wasn't something that the executive asked for we asked the right questions and figured it out but but i think ai like you said um you know, there are a lot of tools built in azure um zoom has announced that you know that you can craft meeting minutes after a meeting with uh, an AI tool, uh, if it's not already widely available, it's coming. Uh, different collaboration tools will summarize meetings uh, and so on. So there are a lot of good uses for it out there, but it can be weaponized just as easily as it can be leveraged for uh, for security. And I wonder how far away we are from a science fiction ending where computers are battling one another and we're standing on the sidelines. Every day, it seems like we're seeing new breaches. We were just talking before the episode about how many breaches are out there. It's like a weekly occurrence. And we haven't really seen a lot of sophistication yet in some of the major breaches with AI. But once those go online and hackers start even more utilizing than they are now, it could be a scary landscape out there, even scarier than it is right now. And I think you're right. One of the things that I always used to tell users is be aware of spelling mistakes in emails. Yeah. Those are just a classic sign. And now I'm seeing these like sophisticated emails and they've got links that kind of look pretty good. And it's really crafted well, almost better than some internal communications at most companies. Spelling mistakes are always one thing you could key on, but it's like having an advanced grammatical and spelling checker building. I mean, all a, all a threat actor has to do is run their script through uh, some AI tool to have it clean it up and 
make it that much more impactful and, and effective. I do think talking about some of the security tools, they're one of the things that I think has been the biggest game changer for me in an organization, analyzing risk data. I have a hard time seeing all these inputs in making sense of that data. And there are some tools out there. If somebody just Google AI security tools, it's a really good list. Or if you're using a threat product, there are some usually built in AI tools. And a lot of it comes around anomaly detection. I think that could be the game changer here. Do we see more and more of that? I think as organizations start to roll that out, we see, okay, I'm, I'm connecting usually from seven to six or something at my work at this IP address. If I have this AI tool running the background, it immediately detects an anomaly. Okay, I'm connecting at two in the morning. You could start creating actions uh, based on that event to shut down that account until further investigation has started. Could be a game changer in that space. Uh, one thing that that is a consistent problem in IT, we talked about in the past, alarm fatigue. People see mm-hmm. the same alarm come in over and over. All oh, this, you know, well, AI can can bypass that with logic. Uh, hopefully, you can. I think the key is going to be effectively tuning it to to understand what's expected, but it's going to have a lot of capabilities in terms of rationalizing logins, decisions that are made, behavior, traffic, uh, et cetera, and hopefully put that together and make tools uh, more Could advanced. be also, like you said, yeah, there's a lot of false positives out there. And so do I start to read all those alerts come in and I start thinking, oh, it's an AI alert, so it's not as important. And then the model gets better and better and start to not pick up on some of these alerts. I think that's a good point because – then do we also start becoming a little bit more stupid as security professionals and rely on the AI instead of our own common sense to evaluate security incidents? Yeah, yeah. Just like uh, memory or <clears throat> I used to have a great memory until I had a smartphone. I could remember 20-digit yeah. numbers, no problem. You could recite something. I could you know, remember it for, for years and then I start saving everything on, you know, all my phone numbers and all my notes into uh, to smartphones. I have to go back and look at them. Like that part of my brain is completely died. I, I no longer have the capability that I had. I'd like to blame it on getting old, but I think it's more uh, technology has taken over for that. You know, math with calculators. There are a lot of people that just don't practice math or understand math and, and rely on a calculator to do it. And you know, this is going to be an extension of that. I think you're probably onto something. How, how long before we forget security fundamentals or, or general mm-hmm. fundamental work and, and rely on somebody else or something else to do it for us. And you know, flip side of that is you start getting a little bit more advanced in other areas that you didn't have expertise in before, but uh, how do you find real understanding of, of things if you don't have the the fundamental base. That's totally right. And it's I've used these models in the past and I thankfully it still relies on good inputs. You have to know what to feed it. 
So I'm optimistic that maybe they will get better and better so we get dumber and dumber. But at the current moment, you still need to have the good inputs, like the content that you want it to say. You need to know how to use the tool, just like a smartphone, to be able to get a good output. And what I found it actually very useful for is to kind of check work or to even generate security policies and understand, I would probably do a Google research if I'm doing, trying to generate a policy. What do other organizations say? What are best practices? What is the NIST standard out there? And so you can use this tool and generate a template that's probably as good as most templates you could purchase at a most security consulting groups. And it does, it's kind of a game changer for smaller businesses who don't have a lot of resources to do po- policy generation or creation or, and yeah, as long as add to that it, things like job descriptions, writing yeah. job descriptions. That's something I've played around with it in there. You know, I'm looking for, yeah. for someone that does something specific, craft a job description and it comes out and then you can go back and say, Oh, well, I really want somebody that has, X, Y, and Z certification and at least five years of experience, and it'll rewrite it for you instantaneously. Same with policies. Uh, Another thing you started to touch on, but I think is a good use case is uh, debugging of code. So if you Mm. have a code that that for whatever reason isn't optimized, I've seen it take a piece of code that was effective, uh, but way too verbose, too long, and consolidate it and get the correct result with fewer steps and and so on. So uh, that's another thing that I think is going to be a big win. Okay. Let's think about this though. This sci-fi scenario you brought up computers attacking computers. That's a real concern. Like that's actually something that could happen where we get computers that we don't have models that could be even under human supervision and they could start generating automated malware, DDoS attacks. Yeah, it's a real concern, and that's that's scary. And especially when you think about you know what a threat cyber warfare is, and countries and nation states hacking terrorist organizations, you name it, uh, leveraging this and, and back and forth. Continue uh, to see threats from a lot of different countries, and we're starting to have to have a pretty robust response just to protect critical infrastructure. We saw the pipeline attack a few years ago, and it has real effects to our daily life. I mean, CDW, they're a large company. They can spend maybe $100 million without too much effort, but these smaller organizations could be crushed by a vigorous attack. So making sure that our small businesses are protected and they understand the risks of AI it's going to be key. Yeah. Agreed. Awesome. Well, I think that's a really great discussion about security and AI. And I think we'll continue to have more conversations about AI in the future, but what's going on um, in cybersecurity awareness month for you, Andrew? Uh, Yeah. A lot of awareness and education is the big thing. Just we've kind of shifted our strategy uh, where I am to, more micro learning and and you know, it, away from the the one hour sit in front of your computer and just click next while you ignore it and work on something else to let's try to make a real relevant uh, 
training and awareness program. So moving to micro learning and interactive uh, training and simulation to better prepare users. I think that's the big thing on our side. What about you? Yeah, I think that's really key. And I, what I found is helpful is like user interaction, getting their thoughts on security risks that have happened for a user. So sharing stories and making sure users feel like they're part of a connected team in the organization. And everyone's on the security team, hopefully, is the end goal. So outside of uh, Cybersecurity Month, what's your favorite thing about fall? I love the weather. I mean, this is my first fall in North Carolina, and it's pretty amazing with the, you know, 70s in October. So join yeah. it out and hiking and stuff. How about you? Yeah, leaves are going to start changing soon. Uh, agree, weather is, is awesome right now. Uh, one thing I'd add is, you know, people that know me know I am a big fan of beer. So a lot of Oktoberfests or uh, celebrations and brews are available now. So um, that's always uh, one of the things I like about fall. Uh, beyond that, I'm generally not a fan because it means winter's coming and and I hate cold weather. But uh, but yeah, I try to be optimistic and, and happy about, hey, well, I really like Oktoberfest beers, generally speaking, and, uh, and the celebrations and, and festivals that go along with it. And there are a lot of those that are popping up. Uh, so, so I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, but thanks for all the comments. Please subscribe to our podcast. Give us some feedback, some input. And we'd love to keep collaborating with everyone out in the security world. Any final thoughts, Andrew? Yeah, agreed. Just any feedback that, that people have, we really appreciate it. Um, share, let your friends know, colleagues know, and, uh, and tell us what we can do better because we really enjoy talking and sharing and, and hope to continue doing it. Well, happy Cyber Awareness Month, everyone, and stay safe, cyber safe out there.